Well, hello there. It's a uh, another solo podcast from old Paulie driving his car home from work on a uh, beautiful, beautiful Saturday late afternoon. Absolutely ridiculous how we can go from summer to basically from August to November in 24 hours because uh, Friday at this time, right, we had that 80-degree day. It was 82 degrees when I drove home from work on Friday. And it's uh, 48 right now. Just unbelievable. But, hey, that's Rochester. That's how we roll. That is how we roll. Um, so you may notice I don't have a guest, even though I said I would have uh, returned to the interview podcast this week. Uh, what had happened was, uh, no, I do. I have guests scheduled. Just nothing worked out for this week. So I still have Sip and Savor, my girl, Steph Hannah. She's actually coming over tomorrow to, to shoot some pictures of a dish that they're going to highlight for a uh, a cookbook coming up. And, uh, yeah, I got contacted by Sip and Saver. That's Steph Hanna. That's her uh, foodie blogger name. And uh, Rock, uh, Casey, Rock Connoisseur, that's his foodie blogger name. And they said, hey, look, we're doing a cookbook. And I hope I'm not ruining the surprise right now. But they said, look, we're doing a cookbook. We would like to to feature you in a recipe. And so at first I was thinking, okay, you know, let's do a sauce recipe. But then I went, you know what? Let me do something. Di- let me show that I'm more than just a sauce guy, okay? Let me flex my muscles a little bit more. So I actually gave them a recipe called Chicken Kelly, which is sort of a family favorite of ours. And it's got an interesting story. It's actually a, a stolen recipe, I guess. My mother, years and years and years ago... Uh, My mother was a teacher, and uh, in the uh, teacher's lounge, one of the other teachers had brought Chicken Kelly for everyone to try. And I'll tell you what it is in a second, but um, my mother loved it and asked for the recipe, and this other teacher told her, well, uh, it's a secret recipe. My relative of some sort in California owns a restaurant, and this is their signature dish. But because we live in Ohio and they're in California, she gave me the, the recipe. So I'll give it to you. But just just know that it's a secret. So my mother takes the recipe. Then, apparently, my mother submits that recipe to be used in a church cookbook. And that gets back to the original teacher who gave her the recipe for Chicken Kelly. And the teacher's like, what are you doing? And my mom's like, well, I didn't. I didn't know that was a secret. And this teacher's like, I told you that was a secret recipe. And so anyway, it's a secret recipe. But I'm going to give it away now, too, as I will in this cookbook. It's uh, it's easy. It's basically you, you take some chicken breast, you, you, you cube it, just cut it up into bite-sized pieces, make little nuggets out of it. Uh, then you crack a bunch of eggs in a big bowl, mix them all up like you're making scrambled eggs. Then you dump all the chicken into that egg and you cover it, let it sit in the fridge for about three hours or overnight or whatever. Then you take the chicken out, you put a bunch of, of uh, garlic powder, breadcrumbs, and parsley in a bag, and little by little, one by one, you take those nuggets out, and you you know, you know can put a few handfuls in the bag at a time, but you shake them up, shake and bake style, then you fry them in some oil, then you put them in a big pan, baking dish, combine it with a bunch of mushrooms and Monterey Jack cheese, and, and then you bake it. And then you get this like sort of like garlicky, breaded chicken, cheesy mushroom casserole. It's really, really good. And uh, so that's the recipe that I gave. But I gave like exact measurements and stuff. Look, I got to hold something back for the cookbook, right? So anyway, so she's coming out. We're going to record a podcast. I have Wheels, the first ever returning guest to the podcast. 
Wheels is going to come out and hang out with me at my factory next Friday, and I think we'll fire up the old Zoom, which is crazy. I can't call my podcast recorder a Zoom anymore because it used to be that I could you call this a Zoom. It's a Zoom recorder, but it's, you know, now with COVID, everyone thinks of Zoom. They think of the virtual meetings. It's not, it's not the same thing. Anyway, it's a Zoom recorder. So wheels will come out. I'm sure we'll fire this thing up. We'll do a podcast. But then also the one I'm excited about, speaking of wheels, an idea I stole from my boy Wheels and his podcast, Wednesdays with Wheels, is magician Anthony Prosciutti will join me on the podcast one of these upcoming weeks as well. He's coming out on Monday. We're going to record. So I've got Steph tomorrow, Anthony Monday, Wheels Friday. I don't know what order I'll release them in, but all three of them I would imagine I will record a podcast with. So we'll get lots of content and we'll get back to doing real podcasts. In the meantime, maybe a follow-up. Lots of comments on last week. Finally kind of talked about leaving radio. Uh, got a, a decent amount of comments I get. Most of what I get is just people either Twitter direct messaging or Facebook messaging me or people that have my number literally just texting me uh, with feedback from the episodes. And last week I talked about leaving radio and I mentioned how I wasn't going to dish any dirt or say anything overly negative about anybody. And uh, I had two comments, though, that I, I wrote down. I definitely wanted to make it onto the podcast. One person said, and I'm so glad they pointed this out because I had every intention of saying this, and I just literally forgot during the podcast. But one person pointed out that I said that I was told I couldn't do mornings on Mix 100.5 because that job no longer existed and would no longer be a local DJ. But today, if you tune in, that is where Mayor Pete Kennedy does a morning show now on Mix 100.5, and he is a local radio personality. Love Pete. Pete's great. Yeah, that's 100%. After I was told that, that that would no longer be a job, that that job didn't exist anymore, no more local personalities, literally two days later they announced Pete would be doing the morning show. So add that on to the, the anger that I had at the time. The fact that I had been told that job didn't exist, and then they, then they, you know, then they give it to Pete. Then they told me like they didn't want me on Weez, and I thought it was because Weez didn't want me. But then Weez is literally asking me to come back to his show, and they turned me down. You can see why I was pretty upset with management and ready to leave. Right, right, okay. Um, the other comment was somebody said, "Boy, I understand why you don't want to say anything too negative, but I was really hoping you'd at least say something negative about Kimberly and Beck." And I decided, okay, I will give you one piece of dirt, and it will be a Kimberly and Beck piece of dirt. And it's not even all that crazy, but it's just something I can talk about because it affected me personally, okay? Um, so when I started working on their show, right off the bat, endorsements started showing up for me on their show. There was one that showed up on, like, week two, and then there was talk of other ones coming. So this one day, it's in the schedule that I'm supposed to be doing live reads on their commercial, so I do it. And, like, the next day, I do it again, and by, like, day three, I get word that I'm not going to be doing it anymore. And I'm like, what happened? I, and I reach out to the client. I think it was Jimmy Z, if I remember right. I reach out to Jimmy Z. I'm like, what happened? He's like, they told me you're not allowed to do endorsements on in the afternoon. And I was like, what the fuck? And I went to my management, and I was like, he was told I'm not allowed to do endorsements in, endorsements in the afternoon? And management was like, oh, yeah. Kimberly and Beck don't like you doing endorsements during their show. <laughs> I was like, why? And uh, then I went to them and their excuse was, well, we just have too many commercials already. You know, so no endorsements for you. But meanwhile, just so you know, when you were at the level I was at, 
to be honest with you, the majority of the people working there, you really rely on your endorsements to make your salary. I think my last couple of years, I was making almost as much as my salary in in endorsement talent fees. So you're really relying on those. For, so for somebody to sort of like say no or hold you back from doing those is a very big deal. So, But again, at that time, I already knew I was quitting. So I really my last few months there, as I knew I was leaving, there were some battles I just didn't even bother to fight because I was like, it doesn't matter. You know, it, does, it just doesn't matter. I don't need the drama. I'm leaving anyway. So anyway, I promised you a little dirt. And uh, and there it is on Kimberly and Beck. Uh, bad day for me today, by the way. I'm missing my best friend's wedding right now. Uh, Tommy Joslin is getting married today. And actually, I just got a phone call from the wedding. That's literally, if you just heard that, I should... Here, hold on a second. Let me answer this. Hello? Oh, shit. What's going on? Can you hear me? I hear you, but I'm in the car, and I'm podcasting. You're podcasting from the car? Yes. <laughs> so are we on the podcast? Right now, yes. <laughs> hey, hi, Carlin. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Uh, I'm just missing you guys right now. We miss you, too. It's good to be on air with you. you got a great show. We all love you. <laughs> well, thanks, Carl. That's okay. Thanks. So uh, let's get to your latest take on the uh, Cleveland Browns. Hey, you know, 4-2 is the best we've seen in a long time, man. You won't hear any complaints out of me. How's the wedding going? Mike? It's going very good. The wedding was awesome. We're in the uh, party bus waiting for Tom and Carly to come back in. He can't see. He's just on audio. Yeah. We're on the bus waiting for them to come back in from pictures, and we're drinking, and Frank has to pee real bad. Well, no. Frank always has to pee, though. Well, good. Very good. I'm very upset. I've been in a, a long fight with my wife, and I was literally just getting to this topic on my podcast to talk about how... Uh, she's not here right now. Well, I sent you a picture. I don't know if it went through. Please. It was hilarious, actually. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Poor goose. <laughs> yeah. Browns, huh, buddy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. All right. Thank you. Thank you for checking in. I wish. Please. Break me free. Oh, God. Well, that was an incredible timing. And no, by the way, everyone's going to think that was planned. That was not planned. Uh, my best friends get married today. One of my best, I would say, but like definitely a top five or probably even a top three or best friend of my entire life. Um, get married today and I'm not at the wedding. Why, you ask? Because uh, Andrew Cuomo has a list and the state of Ohio is on that list. And that's where I'm from. And that's where my best friends get married got married and uh i was listen i'll be honest i'm gonna be completely honest with you that's what this podcast is about right i was i was gonna go i was gonna go even with it on the list i was gonna go i was gonna come home i was gonna quarantine and then i was gonna you know return to life i was just gonna kind of do it all and it is what it is and my wife said you know if you're not going to quarantine in this house, basically. She said, you know, if you do that uh, and you do come back and quarantine, I want you in a hotel and I do not want you around us for two weeks and that will include Leo's birthday. By the way, Leo turns two on November 1st. You will not see your son on his birthday. That's what she told me. 
And I don't know if this classifies as throwing her under the bus or not, because I'm sure plenty of people listening are going to completely agree with her. And that's fine. I felt that she should have met me halfway. I felt she should have let me go to the wedding, come home, and quarantine in our home. Uh, but she was not uh, not willing to do that. And so here we are. And I am not on a party bus in Conneaut, Ohio right now. And instead, I'm driving home from a full day of work. So there's that. I'm not really sure where to go with that, quite frankly. I'm just going to get myself in trouble if I go much further. So... Maybe we'll leave it right at that. Oh, I'll give you a good story. <laughs> Here we go. Let me transition awkwardly off of this. I don't really know what else to say about it without... Because I'm just going to look like a dick. No matter what I say, I look like a dick. Because I disagree. I disagree with my wife, and that is not a way to live your life. Happy wife, happy life. And my wife, if I disagree with her, is not happy, and therefore my life hell is hell. So, um, Here's a story for you, more poly tortured uh, I had my first ever New York State surprise inspection this week. Yes, first ever surprise. Because your first one, you, you, you're allowed to have not as a surprise. So we had to have our first one when we opened our facility. That was actually scheduled. Anybody can beat an inspection when it's scheduled. The surprise ones, those are the tough ones. So I am, uh, I'm at work, and I am actually unloading um, a truck. And a, a strange car pulls into my parking lot, and... I'm not sure who it is, and I'm kind of squinting at the car. I'm trying to figure out who it is because, you know, I'm thinking, like, oh, boy, who's here? And I'm thinking it's a salesperson of some kind. And it, uh, the guy gets out, and he goes, uh, hey, Paul. And I kind of recognize I'm not 100% sure who he is. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? And he says, uh, so-and-so with the New York State Eggs and Markets, Agri- the Agriculture Department. I go, ah, shit. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, boy, inspection. And to be honest with you, it's, I got none to hide. And spoiler alert, we passed the inspection with an A. Like we had, I'll tell you what our issues were, but they were very, very minor. But still, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be time consuming. Um, so I, he comes in and he, he kind of does a, a walk through the building. And, you know, the first check they do really is clean. He basically is checking two things overall cleanliness, habits, you know, are we being food safe, basically? And then the second thing is paperwork. Is all your paperwork in order? Paperwork, for anyone who doesn't know in the business, is basically like, you know, when you make a batch of sauce, you need to do a cooking log that shows the temperature of the sauce when you canned it, uh, what was the pH level of the sauce, the acidity, you know, things like that. Uh, You have to kind of sign off that there were no defects, that there was no broken glass in the vicinity, you know, just all kinds of stuff you kind of got to like sign off on and uh, and that's that. So uh, anyway, he... He checked my paperwork. There were a couple moments during the paperwork, because I'm still new at this, but there were a couple moments during the paperwork where I was, like, holding my breath a little. But turned out we were fine. Everything was good. The cleanliness check was fine. He ended up, and you'll know, if anybody knows anything about the food business, you'll know how clean my facility was when I tell you what he found. He gave me two very, very minor check marks, or X's, I guess. And, it, again, it wasn't even enough to stop us from getting an A. So we still got an A. And there is no such thing as an A+, plus, by the way. So we had the highest score you can get. But my two dings, if you will, were the mixers that sit above the kettles. He put his flashlight into the mixer, like the middle of the mixer, and he spotted some dust on the motor of the mixer. And he said, dust on the mixer. That was one. So I had to take the mixer like the helmet of the mixer off and like clean the dust off of the hel- off the motor 
And then the second thing was one of my employees had a Gatorade sitting on a table nearby. And underneath that table was a box of lids we use to, um, to like, you know, put on sauce. And there was no spill or no accident or anything. But the inspector said no personal beverages above food contact surfaces. The bottom of that lid is technically a food contact service. And if that Gatorade were to spill, it would spill right into that box of caps, and that would be a problem. Now, we had no spill, but he still didn't like the fact that it was there to begin with. So, good point. You know, both of them, fine. I took the mixer apart. I cleaned the dust, and the Gatorade I moved, and the paperwork, as I mentioned, I held my breath a couple times, but we were all good, and it was fine. It was fine, but it was very, very, like, nerve-wracking. I I couldn't, as much as I knew what good a shape we were in, I was still scared the entire time. By the way, then today, so we passed this inspection. How about this then? Today, literally today, we blow, uh, and this was completely human error, we blow it while uh, uh, while um, taking the sauce out of a kettle. We completely blow it. So somebody turns the valve in the wrong direction, and sauce just starts spilling out. You can actually see on my Twitter feed, sauce just comes spilling out of the kettle. We probably dumped two gallons of sauce on the floor today. <laughs> Like, just complete, just an accident. Nobody's fault, right? It's just human error. And uh, <laughs> it was embarrassing coming right after the, do you imagine that happened during the inspection? Oh, my God. Oh, another topic. Uh, oh, speaking of today, actually, I do want to mention one other thing about my employees. Today, one of my employees, I got these young guys who work for me. I told you about the keg. They didn't know what tapping a keg meant. Today, one of these kids asked me, he goes, oh, hey, uh, do we find out who the new president is on election day? And at first I was like, what a stupid question. You know, I'm like, of course you find it. And then I realized, actually, this year that's not so cut and dry. And I told the kid the truth. I was like, I don't, I, I'm not talking politics at work. And I don't care what your political affiliation is, I go. But I don't know if we're going to know on election day. Because if it's close at all, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Trump isn't going to, unless he wins close. If he wins close, he'll say he won. But if he lo- loses close, he's going to say he wants a recount. And to a certain extent, can't blame them. If it's close, might say, hey, count it again, especially this year with the fucked up voting, with the way everyone's doing the absentee. Might say count it again if it's close at all. But So I actually told the guy, I go, you know what? As much as that's a terrible question, that's not a bad question this year. I don't know if we will know who the president is on election night. I really don't. I don't think we're going to get that question answered on election night. Uh, let's talk current events. I saw uh, Syracuse. Uh, lost to Clemson today, but I guess Clemson was like a 40, what was it, like a 40-point favorite, and they ended up losing only by uh, 26 points. So if you had Clemson to cover, they didn't do it. So I guess that's a little bit of a win for Syracuse. But I wanted to bring it up because it looks like Trevor Lawrence would be the hottest guy in the draft this year. But Trevor Lawrence is going to end up in New York because he's probably going to end up a Jet. And if you're a Jet fan, I know there's a lot of Jet fans listening to this. Do you, are you ready to replace Sam Darnold with Trevor Lawrence? Is the Sam Darnold experiment over, do you think? You're 0-6. And by the way, here's the thing about Trevor Lawrence going to the number one market. He's got two chances because the Giants also stand a pretty good chance of having a damn high pick. So either the Jets or the Giants might just be the first overall pick this year. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what you think of Daniel Jones over there in uh, New York, Giants fans. He did have the hilarious play on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> they said he was he was running like, wasn't he running like 24 miles an hour or something? Anyway, I don't know if, if you want 
Do you want to replace either way, Jets or Giants? You're you're pulling the plug on a young quarterback. But I'll tell you what, if you got the opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence, you got to do it. In my opinion, you got to do it. Speaking of the Jets, that's who the Bills play tomorrow. Easy win, good. They need one. They need an easy win. Coming off a couple tough games, Browns play the Bengals. That's an oh game because you would say easy win, but you know my Browns. You know my Browns, man. I am never going to take anything for granted with my Cleveland Browns. If they lose to Cincinnati, I go right back into panic mode. The way they embarrassed themselves against the Steelers just shows me as much as this team might have a decent record, they're 4-2 and two now, as much as the Brownies might have a decent record, same old Browns. Same old Browns. I said I got to stop waiting for the Browns to beat the Steelers, and I got to just start hoping they don't embarrass themselves against the Steelers. That's what I got to really do. That's the only thing. It's the only thing. I'm getting off my exit. Let me see if there's anything I wanted to talk about that I didn't get to. So I'm sorry about no real podcast this week. We're going to do the podcast. As I mentioned, Wheels, Sip and Saver, Anthony Prosciutti, Magician, be the next three weeks. I don't know what order in. Um... Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Halloween. Yes, I know. Damn it, I I wanted to tell you this. I'm so glad I remembered before I turned off the mic. The uh, the list of the scariest movies of all time came out, and it's some sort of, I don't remember the science. They claimed it was science. By the way, at this point, no scientists should be working on the list of world's scariest movies. They should all be working on curing coronavirus. Anyway, I digress. Uh, there was I, They claimed, according to science... Some measure, the scariest movie ever is Sinister. And I'm going to go ahead and say, for me, Sinister is very scary. Sinister, if you don't know, that's that Ethan Hawke movie where Ethan Hawke comes across the videos of a bunch of families being murdered. And in each case, you know, the, by the way, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Sinister, you might want to skip. If you skip ahead one minute, you'll be fine. I promise I'll get this out in 30 seconds. Um, In Sinister, the families are being murdered, and you don't know who the camera person is. And then after each murder, one of the children doesn't get murdered, but they go missing. And then in the end, you find out, you know, it was the kid, the missing kid who actually committed the murders. They were possessed or something by the devil. I don't remember. But it was just a fucking scary movie. Like, it was just a really, it really accomplished what it was setting out to do, that movie. Well, they've named that number one. Me, personally, I'm going to say Sinister is a scary movie, and I am a big fan. I think Sinister is great. But my ultimate all-time scariest movies, uh, the Blair Witch Project, original Blair Witch Project is number three, the entire Paranormal Activity series, kind of all is counting it all as one, is definitely number two. But the absolute scariest movie of all time is Blair Witch Project 2. There was one scene in that movie that I still, to this day, think of once in a while. And it still creeps me out to think about this one scene in that in Blair Witch Project 2. Um, it's the scene where they... So they all go out into the woods, I guess, supposedly to look for the Blair Witch, whatever the hell... Or to see the the site of the original Blair Witch Project. And um, they... Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. I'm backing into a parking spot and there's some people. 
And I love my Tahoe just starts buzzing me and buzzing me and buzzing me. My seat, it vibrates my seat. Because it's saying, watch out for the people. That's good, I like that. It's a good safety feature. Anyway, uh, there's a scene in that Blair Witch Project where, Blair Witch Project 2, where one night they all go to, they, they all start like drinking or whatever. And they wake up the next day and they're like hungover. And they're like, what happened? Like, what a night. My God, we got so hammered last night. And then they discover that, of course, one of them has been murdered. And they spend the next bit of the movie trying to figure out, like, who killed this person? Like, who killed one of us? One of us is dead. Oh, my God. How did that happen? Who killed them? Like, how did this murder happen? Well, they end up somehow getting to, to, to find the footage from that night. And on the footage from that night... They find that as they all got hammered, they became possessed and basically did like a demon, de- demonic, satanic ritual. And they are the ones that murdered their friend. Like they became like the friend is the only one who kind of like stayed themselves. And all the other ones just became possessed by the devil or by the Blair Witch, I guess. And they um, they committed the murder. And something about not just like your friend gets murdered while you go camping. But, like, finding out that you got possessed by the devil and you actually committed the murder. I I know maybe as I'm describing that, that doesn't sound all that scary. But something about that premise just freaked me the fuck out, man. Just freaked me out. And I bought in. I said, this is the, this is it. This is, so my all-time three, Blair Witch 1, the entire Paranormal Activity series, although there were some parts of that that got a little bit silly. The first one was really, the first three were great. I remember Paranormal Activity, the first one was so fucking scary. And then, like, the second one, when you find out that it happened two weeks before the first one, or was it two weeks after? Maybe it was two weeks after. Or, like, whatever. It Basically, the events are happening at the same time. And it's, you know, the like, the end of Paranormal Activity 1 ends up at the end of Paranormal Activity 2. Like, it all just kind of times out that way. And I, it was very Back to the Future-esque, where basically you're back in the first movie. I thought that was awesome. Uh, and then Paranormal Activity 3, I think, is... I'm trying to remember the one where uh, she lives. Katie lives across the street. And then the girl goes over... The, like, the end of the movie is she goes over there and sees just, like, a backyard full of demonic, possessed people. Like, that was fucking crazy. The other one that deserves on the list is Hereditary. Hereditary is also an extremely scary movie. If you've never seen Hereditary, that one is scary, and that is a fucked-up ending as well. And then I guess goriest is Saw. Saw, I don't know that Saw was as scary, like creepy, keep me up all night as the other ones, but the ending of the original Saw, the first Saw, the ending of that movie, the twist ending, where it turns out the killer was sitting in the middle of the room the whole time. Fan-fucking-tastic. Bravo, buddy. Bravo with that ending. Scary movie season, people. Happy Halloween. Thanks for listening.